0: back to the missing piece. Everybody, Paul here talking today about a label that was put on me from a very young age. And I don't think there was any harm to it necessarily, but there were certainly, um, some, some things I had to unpack later on in my life, let's just say. And when I was told what that label was, what I was told is I was told I was bad with money. I was told I was bad with money when I was a kid. Um, My, my mom and my grandfather used to say, Hey, money burns a hole in your pocket, (laughs) which means like, you just can't wait to spend it, which is true to be honest with you. Um, and, and, you know, that's, you know, that's what it was, man. I actually started working from a very young age, uh, like eight or nine years old. My stepdad had a trucking company and I could go and, Sweep the floors in the garage with the mechanics and I learned how to change light bulbs on trailers and stuff like that for five bucks an hour. And I, I'd, I'd work for like three, four hours at a crack back then. And so on a two week payroll, I would have just enough money on that paycheck to go buy like an official MLB baseball hat. Right. And, and that was the thing. That's exactly what I do. If I get a ride to the mall, I would go get a new lid and. You know, I wanted all the teams. Like, obviously, or not obviously, but I'm from Chicagoland, so Sox hats, Cubs hats, obviously. But then I would get, um, you know, just any team where I thought a player was the man. You know, I had an Oakland hat because I thought Ricky Henderson was the man. Uh, I had a Mariners hat because I thought Ken Griffey Jr. was the man, and you know, on and on, right? And that's that's what I did. So I'd work two Saturdays, and that afforded me one lid. They were about thirty bucks back then. And then, you know, as I got older and into music, I would, you know, there's like mail order, you could get, you know, band t-shirts. Cause I couldn't, I wasn't old enough to actually go to the concerts, but I could mail order in and like get the t-shirts, you know, for Alice in Chains and Nirvana and Metallica and all this stuff. And then, you know, as I began to play music, you know, I always wanted, you know, a nice guitar and the, the, the fucking loudest amps you could buy that would, you know, shake the entire house and all sorts of cool equipment that went along with that. And that's what I did. I always worked, always, you know always had money and and spent it. <laughs> and, you know, I was kind of told that that was an issue. And I'd say probably the pinnacle of that, probably the pinnacle of that was when we were, when we were getting married, Angie and I, um, I had job hopped a little bit in my twenties, let's just say, and about, uh, I'd started my own training business. So this is my personal training business. I had started in, um, 2010 at the later part of 2010, we were getting married in the summer of 2011 and I didn't really have much to my name. I was pretty, you know, in debt, let's just say for that, (laughs) for that business. And, um, we were, you know, we were spending money on, on a wedding reception as people do. And, you know, parents help out as they do. And there are limits to what parents are able and willing to do. And (laughs) one of those limits, you know, we had, we had cashed out a bunch of stuff, you know, and you know, spent a bunch of money and there wasn't a ton left over for entertainment, but I am a music snob and I was not ready for a cheesy ass wedding DJ. And so I really wanted a live band and I researched all these live bands and I went and checked them out live to see how their uh, how their sound engineers were. So how did, how did they actually sound in a wedding venue? And guess what? To get the most badass band who had the actual audio equipment that would make it an enjoyable experience for everybody there. It was like four or 5,000 bucks. And guess what? I had four or 5,000 bucks sitting in a 401k. <laughs> so, I, so I cashed that motherfucker out and now I was like officially broke, but you know what? We had a great party. We had a great time at that wedding. And you know, that being said, like moving forward, moving forward. So now I'm, I'm married, spent the last dime to have a live band at my wedding and, uh, and start a business. And so I'm like, okay, being bad with money, like this is a problem, or at least that's the way I've been. uh trained to believe. And it's like a problem and I got to fix it. So as a young adult, newly married, I set out to fix it. And I went down the conventional wisdom rabbit hole. You know what I mean? Where it's like, max out your 401k, you know, pay off your house in 10 years, buy cars and only in cash and never take out a note on a car and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, like let's, let's do it. All right. Let me, let me see what I can do about this. But in retrospect, that led to a whole host of problems, a whole host of problems. (laughs) problems. <laughs> For starters, it's constantly feeling like you're failing. So in that world, it's like, Hey, you need to have your, you know, you, you always buy your cars cash. You have your house paid off. You have six months to a year worth of savings, you're maxing out your 401k. And I'm like, fuck, I don't have any of that. I just literally don't have any of that. You know what I mean? I paid my car off. So I drove a fucking beater that cost me $2,000. But, um, you know, other than that, I was like renting my apartment, which is, you know, throwing money away, allegedly, uh, it, you know, I would get like a, a couple bucks together for an emergency fund, you know, a thousand bucks or 1500 bucks or whatever. And there, 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 then there would usually be something wrong with that beater of a car or there would be some other thing to spend it on. And I just could never hit those benchmarks that were laid out. And to add to, add to that feeling of constantly feeling like you're failing, there was increased Shame around any purchase I made that could have been saved and going towards those six months of living expenses or, or, or or whatever. Right. Um, whether, whether that was a purchase, like, Oh, everybody's going out and, you know, to socialize with friends and like, Oh, well now we got to go pay for a restaurant or like, you know, whatever it is, or, Oh man, I need to get a couple hours in of focused work on my laptop for my business and like, oh, I guess I'll go to Starbucks and, and use the Wi-Fi and, and buy the $5 latte. And oh my gosh, I'm just such a piece of shit for buying a latte. You know, there's this shame about any little purchase that I felt like, oh, I mean, these all these little crumbs add up. And, you know, maybe there's truth to that, but going around feeling shame about just living life or, or spending money socializing is not you know, really an ideal situation. And, you know, all of that Adds up to feeling like I didn't deserve to participate in life. You know, if somebody invited me out to lunch or something, I felt like I didn't deserve to go spend that money. If friends were going out somewhere, I didn't feel like I deserved to spend that money. If people were going on a trip or a destination wedding, I felt like I didn't deserve to spend that money because I didn't, I didn't have my, I didn't have a house that I had paid off. I didn't have six months saving. I was now even worse with money. I was, I was the, the people that everybody in this little group made fun of, right? For, for spending money without having everything lined up and perfect in their life. And that was a massive sense of shame, man. And, it made me feel shame about even wanting anything, let alone doing it. But it made me feel shame about wanting anything that didn't fit these very narrow parameters. But worst of all, worst of all is that this whole thing, it led to a decision-making process. It led to a decision-making process that was completely blind. So it's like, I wouldn't even consider what an expenditure meant to me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider what spending this money on whatever, what it, what it meant to me in the big picture vision that I had for my life. All I knew is what the quote unquote right way was to do it. And, you know, the wrong way, the quote unquote wrong way to do it. That's all I knew. And I was no longer weighing like, hey, I was no longer playing my own game. Let's just say. And so if I had to sum that up, I would say I was considering the financial cost of every thing i was i was considering the financial cost of everything but i was completely disregarding the opportunity cost of not doing that thing and this is something very few people consider and this is a problem this is a problem because you know this noise builds this noise builds yeah i mean you can you can get to you can okay you're like okay at a certain point you're going to make enough money right? To where you can save a few bucks and you can, you know, buy cars cash if that's your thing and like the whole deal. You can do that if you want. And I always thought that as that happened, the noise would decrease, right? Okay. Well, now I've got plenty. So now now it's very easy to stash money away and be on top of my game, right? Like, like at a certain point, like, oh, I've got this much. Now it's all figured out and this noise goes away. But that's not true. The more you have, the more pressure there is to be smart with your assets, The more pressure there is not to lose, the more pressure there is not to be dumb with your money and not be another, Oh, they made a lot of money and spent it all. What a dummy. And so I know you can relate to that. I know you felt that pressure before. And, um, and it, and it sucks because it keeps you making decisions from a place of this is how you should do it as opposed to this is the game I'm playing. And so therefore I'm going to make decisions that are best in alignment with my game and here's the deal. If that external noise never goes away, you need to learn how to make peace with your decisions. You need you need an internal peace. Because the external noise of, of what's quote-unquote quote right and wrong and what you should be doing financially or otherwise, if that's never going to go away, you need to be at peace internally so that you can make decisions. So that you can be at peace with your decisions. Because if you don't allow yourself to to want what you want, You're going to end up with a pile of money and no life to spend it on. Isn't that the worst case scenario? You're going to end up like the kid who gets a lunchtime detention. Stuck inside. Looking through the window. Watching everybody else participate in life. Well, you just have to sit there. Because you never considered what you wanted. Or you were too afraid to go against any sort of conventional norm. I'm going to share with you my aha moment for this. Right. And so this is, uh, wait, did I get married in 2010? Yeah, I did get married in 2010. Yeah. I don't know. Either way, I'm trying to think of the years on all this stuff. Cause sometimes my timeline gets hazy, but my, my aha moment came with a, a certification, a training certification. So, At this point, I knew that the corporate world wasn't for me and I'd begun making moves to become a certified personal trainer and start gathering experience, training people in their homes and like anybody who would let me train them, like that's just what I started doing, right? And I knew and so I was at this time in 2010, I was very interested in this little kettlebell movement that was happening at the time and I knew it was the next step for me. I knew it. And there was this guy named Pavel Satsulin who was sort of spearheading this thing. And it's like, if you wanted to do the kettlebell thing, like you had to go learn from Pavel. Like it was the best way to do it. And so that's what I wanted to do. And he was only available in two places, right? At that time, St. Paul, Minnesota and San Jose, California. And it was fucking cold in the winter in the Midwest. So they couldn't do it outside there. So if I wanted to do this thing as soon as possible, which was in the winter, when I really made this decision, I was going to go out to California for it. And this thing, I mean, it wasn't cheap, but in retrospect, it's not expensive. You <laughs> know, It was like 2,500 bucks maybe. And I didn't have 2,500 bucks. So I put it on a credit card, right? Quote unquote, dumb financial decision. You know, Oh my gosh, a credit card. Do you know the interest rates on those 17%? Like, oh my gosh, you'll never recover from putting this certification on a credit card. But here's the thing. There was a whole life waiting on the other side. Like this was the next step in becoming the person I needed to become in order to live the life that I wanted to live. It was an investment in myself. It was an investment in that growth towards that vision. So I had to weigh the cost versus the opportunity cost. So the cost was thousands, right? Plus high interest. Oh, good Lord. But the opportunity cost was to not become the person I needed to become in order to live the life I wanted to live. I wasn't willing to pay that price. I was not willing to pay that opportunity cost. So instead, I put that shit on a credit card and I paid interest because guess what? I didn't pay that fucker off right away. It took a bit to recoup that money. Right. To come back and be like, hey, I know how to do kettlebells now. Who wants to pay me uh, fucking 50 bucks an hour? And then to pay off, you know, three thousand dollars, 50 bucks an hour at a time when you get another job is kind of tough to do. But I did it. So if I were to say, hey, this is my solution to making decisions financial or otherwise, because life is just always going to come down to (laughs) making decisions that best serve you serve you. It really does come down to truly understanding that opportunity cost because when you know exactly what you want and who you need to grow into in order to get what you want you'll be able to accurately consider opportunity cost because you know like this thing costs this much in dollars or this much in time or this much in energy but the alternative the opportunity cost if i don't do it is that i don't get what i want i don't i don't grow i stay stagnant i don't become who i was supposed to become <laughs> If you can accurately, if you can accurately consider that, you will, you will be much better equipped to make decisions that are going to best serve you. So rather, rather than maximizing <laughs> your pennies and interest rates, you'll be making fast and powerful decisions that are in alignment with the growth required to become someone who contributes so much value to the world that they never have to worry about money again. And I think that's important and worth noting. Is like, yes, you can save money, I guess, and pile it up, but like, also, you can become somebody who's so fucking valuable that they never have to worry about money because they're always going to be able to produce. They're always going to be able to provide value to the world. And I choose option B. If you're if you're truly going to be self reliant, what it means is growing into somebody who's super fucking valuable. So, I mean, at the end of the day. What we're talking about here is making decisions, making decisions that best serve you and help you live a life that is meaningful for you. And that's, that's what we got to recognize is so much of our training around making decisions has been shit that's projected on us from society, from our parents, from the public education system, whatever the case is, our decision-making process has been skewed. It's been distorted. Very few people are like, Hey, This is what life means to me, regardless of what anybody else says. And therefore, I'm making decisions in alignment with it. But if you really can do that, if you can really get clear on what a meaningful life is for you, now you can accurately weigh the cost of a decision versus the opportunity cost of going the other way on that decision. All right. So opportunity cost really is at the root of it all. Know what you want so you can know what something's going to cost you to do it or to not do it. And if we if we were to understand, if we were to truly get clear on how to how to best weigh opportunity cost, it's gonna come down to a couple of things. There's vision and values for starters. So number one is vision and values. Vision is playing your own game. What do you see for your life? What do you want it to be? So few people take the time to to really get clear on this. What do you want it to be? How do you want to feel every day? Who do you want to become? What is the vision you have for your life? And if that's now the game you're playing, you've defined the game, thank God. Now, what are your values? What are the rules in which you're going to play your own game? And when you understand that you are the creator of both the game and the rules, life gets a lot more fun. So get clear on your vision and your values. Know the game. Play your own damn game. Know what that game is and know the values, know the rules in which you're going to play that game. Number two. I would say is a gathering a sense of urgency. Like, how do you do that? It's really tough to be urgent about decision-making in your teens and twenties, right? Because you're like, I'm fucking immortal. Being old is for old people. I'll probably never get there. It's so far off. I can't even wrap my head around it. But for me anywhere, somewhere in my, th- for me anyway, somewhere in my thirties, maybe mid thirties, which is roughly midlife. Just one day I was like, damn, time is finite time is finite like I am running out of time and at that time in my life I had accumulated enough success to play safe to keep the success but playing that small was killing me and I and I had this massive internal conflict and the way I broke out of it is is one day realizing like holy shit uh I'm running out of runway here. I can't, I can't waste a single second. I can't waste a single day doing things. I don't want to do becoming who I don't want to become. And so um, one of the ways that you can really develop a sense of urgency, if you don't have one is to ponder your own mortality. And it sounds dark and it sounds like, Oh, wouldn't that get you down? Like, no, man, no, because if there is no death, then there is no life. You got to ha- you have to have one to have the other. And so if you want to feel truly alive, you have to come to grips with the fact that you're going to die and you're going to die sooner than you think. And when you come to grips with that, what that does is freeze you up to be as alive, to feel as alive as you possibly can right now. And that's a glorious feeling. So gathering a sense of urgency will help you make better decisions about how you're going to spend your time. And to me, there's no better way. To gather a sense of urgency, than to ponder, you know, mortality and understand how finite time truly is. And then the last piece is consider the worst case scenario. Man, so many of us are scared to fail, but really, at the root of fear of failure is fear of looking dumb. I mean, that's that's what it is. We're we're scared to look dumb. And. That sucks, right? I mean, I get it. I don't want to look dumb either. But at the end of the day, what is the worst case scenario? Like for for most of our decisions here in the Western world, nothing is life or death. Nothing is life or death. You can fail at business. You still won't die. Like somebody will feed you. Somebody will put a roof over your head. You know, like you get used to it, right? And when you look at that worst case scenario, like what's the worst case scenario if it all goes to shit and I fail? Well, guess what? Here's what I tell myself anyway. I've now gained experience. And that experience makes me far more valuable than anyone who's never actually tried anything. And so now that failure has made me more valuable. And so I'll just start over again with with more experience and, and being worth more. And I'll just, whatever. If it all burns down, I'll build it back and it'll come back even quicker. That's happened to me twice. And if you can do these three things... Know your vision and values. Create a sense of urgency in your life. And ponder the worst case scenario of your failure. You will be able, when you're faced with a decision, you will be able to choose powerfully and quickly what what is going to best serve you. You'll be able to differentiate between the cost. And the cost is usually in time, energy, or money versus the opportunity cost. What's it going to cost you to not do this thing? And if you can clearly do that, You'll be able to make decisions way faster and way more effectively than anybody else. Thanks for listening, guys. If you found this valuable, if you found this valuable, I'm going to ask you a favor. Can you go over, go to missingpiecepodcast.com, you know, click the link over, or you're just, you're, you're on Apple, iTunes, or whatever you're on right now. Leave me a review. That helps other people find the podcast drop a little note about what you found valuable so i can produce more content like that that's that's a huge ask and then if you want more content like this little micro trainings you want to interact with me missingpiecepodcast.com join my discord community that's that's where i'm hanging out i'm kind of making a shift right now away from like normal normal social medias and spending more of my time there just because um you know, it's it's a little bit more like a club. It's a little bit more like, hey, I can interact with the people who are actually engaged as opposed to, you know, the, however, the, the weirdos who watch my reels on Instagram. Not that they're, you know, not that you're all weirdos, I love y'all, but you get the point. Anyway, that's what I got for you guys for today. Um, hope you enjoyed it and I'll catch you next time.